0: So we'll just take a page out of Matt's playbook. What's God doing in your life?
1: Say it again. What is
0: God doing in your life? What are you and God, how are you guys getting down nowadays?
2: He's been sending me birds every morning, and they're so beautiful, and I've just been enjoying. It's like. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so, so beautiful. Amen.
0: We I think we've said in here before that if we had if we could hear beyond just our natural ears, what we'd probably hear is those birds singing the praises of God and singing Amen. the praises of God over us, yeah. and that's why it sounds like such a sweet melody to us, right? He what, what what's the psalm that says he sings and dances? He rejoices yes, over he us with singing, singing and dancing. There. Is that or is that Zechariah? It might be yeah, Zephaniah, right. Zachariah, one of the Z's. Zephaniah. I don't know. One of the Z's. Who knew you could have two prophets with the Z, you know? My goodness. The Lord, man. Huh?
2: Well, ye- yesterday I was jealous because all the egrets and the white birds were way over there. I could see them, but you know. And this morning they're on my boathouse. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, oh my gosh. Oh, just a whole bunch of them in a pelican too. And I never see the pelicans land on the boathouse. They're always just in the water. Wow. Like, Here you go,
0: Linda. They feel the Lord there. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I know. Hallelujah. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the Lord doing in your life, Michelle?
1: Uh, he helped me through a really rough week. I had a um, bunch of people in town. I had to give a big presentation, and I don't like doing that kind of thing, and it all went really well. It went what well. Pretty peaceful through most of it, so. Yeah. That's
0: good. You, uh. You got to practice what you preach to Christy? Character building?
1: Yeah, I actually have to be on TV tomorrow morning, so... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it stuck back to me, oh, for sure. So then pretty
0: soon, you'll you'll have no problem standing up in front of the camera here. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> have you worked out the crying thing? Because that was... No. What, you still cry when you get up there and start talking?
1: It depends. Uh, the presentation I gave this week was not something that was... Cryable? I, I guess emotional to me.
2: <laughs> but I still... Man, I can't get past that part. It's I the t- for a lot of people,
0: well, it's the tender heart of the Lord, yeah. right? We, we, we've we been taught by the world that you get up and, and talk in front of people and it has to go a certain way, right? And uh, maybe if you're representing the company, you have like an agenda of what you're trying to represent. So you're sticking to that. But when you get up in, in, in front of the body of Christ and talk in front of them, man, you ought not be uh, leery of any emotion that you might feel that could come out of you. So, so many times we can despise what comes out of us, <laughs> As if it isn't as it ought to be, but really it's the manifestation of God. Yeah. Right? And like, it
1: is a blessing. Like I feel God, I feel a lot stronger than a lot of people. Yeah. That's just, just the way it manifests. Yeah, so cry it's up there next time.
0: <laughs> no, like, I do. Just, no, but just I can't em- help it. But just embrace <laughs> it. Like grab a hold of it instead of despising <laughs> yeah. it. Right? And just just let, allow your, your heart to go to the place that maybe this is the tender heart of God coming out of me. and What would he want to say right now? Yeah. Instead of thinking, i got to bottle this up. Right, for so long, I tried to bottle up my intensity, you know, because I thought it's too much for people. And uh, I think it was like 2013, and I was at this conference. This, this gal came up that I didn't know, and she said that she had a dream, and that every time I spoke, it was a consuming fire
1: Whoa. like God.
0: Yeah. And that I ought not despise <laughs> the way it comes out of me because God is consuming the death that's trying to destroy his people. Right. Wow, and she was just beautiful. like, embrace it. We, yeah. You
3: know, you, uh, you mentioned several times about how the only thing that can't be consumed, by fire is fire. Mm-hmm. So when you're the consuming fire in front of us, it doesn't bother me or us because we are, we, we have the same spirit. Yeah. But somebody else is going to burn them up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they're going to go
3: out mad because something in them just got burned up by the fire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The chafe. No, no I, I, I find that there's this particular pastor that every time I see this guy, or every time in the same room, and he's talking. He talks about how angry he gets every time he listens to me, because every time he listens to me, I tear something up that he's wanting to believe or been believing. And then he goes off all angry with God, and he says, "God says you you know he's right." <laughs> That's the amazing part to me, that we we want to hold so much. We want to hold on so much to our doctrines that we care about our doctrines more than we care about the truth. So it's like Paul said, I think it's like the story of my life. Um, and I, I feel like Paul, I mean, I think if I looked at any of the apostles, I I identify most with Paul and then maybe John, um, for a number of reasons. But Paul said to the Galatians, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth. And if I'm being honest through the first several years of the church, it's still even ongoing some now, I feel like people look at me as their enemy, and the reason they look at me there as their enemy is because I keep telling them the truth.
1: Yeah. The problem is the yes.
0: truth comes and tears up all the things we've grabbed onto for so long, right? And it, it doesn't feel nice. And then we associate that with the person saying, it, right? right? And I remember. I still remember to this day. God told me that it's not you. It's not that they're upset with you. It's that you're you're just pulling up. Tearing down, destroying all the things that the world has planted in them. And it can feel uncomfortable. You'll know
4: the truth and the truth will make you free.
0: Free from what? Free from something that's holding on to you.
4: And that thing that's holding on to you has to be broken in order to let you loose.
0: Yeah. It it, it goes back, I think, was it last week we were talking about traditions? Mm -hmm. It goes back to traditions. We don't realize how steadfast we are in holding on to traditions. Like we... To, to put language to it, our traditions become like our rock instead of God, right? Where we, we build our life on our traditions. And then when we think we have all of our traditions set up properly, we think we have like a good foundation. And then we want our lives to be planted on that foundation. And so whenever someone comes speaking things, it tears up the tradition. Man, we don't like the feeling we feel because we feel like we're swaying. And we're being tossed and and we blame it on the person doing the talking. No, all that happened was what you had built your life on was sinking sand. And now through the person talking, it's been revealed what you built your life on. That you have not built your life on the rock that is God. You built it on some tradition. And now it's being burned up with the chain. Right? Glory to God. What about you, Callie? What do you got talking about nowadays? Uh, you know. We're
2: dancing. You're dancing? (laughs) Sometimes, literally. Oh, right, right. <laughs> but no, I feel like I'm in a place of transition, well, it's been a long period of feeling like I'm in this place of transition, so just trying to discern, like, what is born out of desire and what's born out of, like, feeling, you know, societal pressures and, and things like that. Yeah. So, but it's good.
0: The wilderness journey. Yeah. <laughs> You want to say something about
4: that, Matt? Well, I just i have uh, been looking at the wilderness for a few weeks now. The thing I'm finding in the wilderness—it's like that is the place of the cross. That's where—that's the place where you lay down the life of this world and you take up the life of God. And in that place, it's—it's—it's all. It's, it, it, it's, I, I picture David when when Saul offered David his armor. You know and uh, it, it, and he put it he tried it on you know and he's like this ain't right this ain't right i got i gotta go with go with this and it's like that happens in the wilderness it's in that place where you jesus in the wilderness he he comes face to face with the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life and it was in that place that he rejected that and it said from there he returned in the power of the spirit mm. But it's, it's in that place. It's a, it's not just a bingo thing for most people, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one thing to get a revelation, but now let's
0: walk this thing out, you know. What he's saying is that you're coming forth in the power of the Spirit. I don't know if you picked up on
1: that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah. nice. I mean, we all want to come forth in the power of the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, dunamis. Boldness, right? I love that word, dunamis. That's the Greek word in uh, Acts for power, right? You shall receive dunamis yeah. from on high. That sounds like dynamite, yeah. right? Yeah.
5: <laughs> dynamite, <laughs> dynamic. You yeah, it's, will come it's forth. Interesting when you think about what the power of the spirit and what it is. I mean, plenty of times when we look at that, we look dunamis. That's that's what's coming out of a person that is is kind of visible that you see that there is a and something happening inside of that person but but that's what the issue is there's an external expression of it but there's something going on in the inside that that causes that expression and plenty of people want to manifest something on the outside and they're making effort to be able to express those things on the outside and it's not real. That's why it's so important that it come through personal understanding and revelation because then it's real. Then it's not some kind of pretend thing, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it goes through, you know, wandering around a little bit, trying to figure figure it out. And the, the Lord's feeding you with truth. And as these things come together, you know, there's this expression that takes place. That's right.
0: the The, the wilderness to use just that symbolism it's uh it's the place where um your heart is proved
1: mm-hmm. like it Ooh, says right. god
0: proved abraham right it's it's the place where god produces in you um, and there's a lot of different words you could use um, but to use the biblical language it's where god produces in you a, an awe. Mm-hmm. it's where god uh Man, I, I'm not a good English-speaking person. It's amazing because I would speak English. It's um, like Bertie speaks better English than me, that guy. Uh, it's, it's where the Lord reveals himself to you in such a way that you become awestruck by his presence, by his goodness, by his life, right? And you become so awestruck by that that you have a reverential awe of him where you begin looking at him as the father of your life. You begin thinking of his strength and not your own strength. You begin thinking that he is the power behind your life, not yourself. You begin thinking his strength, the the strength in his life is the force that's behind you. And you you begin to learn that, you begin to see it, you grow up into that. And that's why you would come forth in the power of the spirit, right? I mean, what does it mean to come forth in the power of the spirit? Really what, what it means there is to come forth in the in sonship, yeah, that's what it means to come forth in the power of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is called Comforter. Mm. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you another one, right? And He will guide you into whatsoever things I reveal. Well, what did Jesus reveal? He said He didn't come to say anything about Himself, so what did He reveal? He came to reveal Father. He came to reveal the life the Father has in himself. He came to reveal that the Father is with you, walking with you, that the Father is there to serve you with his life. And so when you come forth in the power of the Spirit, it means you come forth in the power of sonship. And the Spirit is growing you up in the wisdom and stature of sonship, right? And you start walking around in the earth, no longer like an orphan, but like a child of the living God. You know why we call call him the living God? Because it means there's no death in it. It means he can't die. It means his life has a strength in it that can't be overcome, that it can't be thwarted, it can't be held down, it, it can't be contained, right? It, it, it's so much that it will manifest itself everywhere it goes. And so coming forth in the power of the Spirit, we could make a, an elementary connection to being born of the Spirit, right? Or what this, what we've in the evangelicalism called born again. Um, I would not fault somebody if they make that connection, but I don't see that as exactly what it's talking about. Because the, the the dove descended on Jesus before he went into the wilderness. And so the, the Holy Spirit had already descended upon him and he had, he was already being tempted. Then it says he came forth in the power of the Spirit, right? And so I see that as, as something else that happens. But you don't have to despise the wilderness. Or like Callie says, transition. Right? It's like a, a transition. And it, it can feel like a transition, but really what's happening is is you're learning about the life of the father and you're learning about the life that's in the house you're dwelling in, right? And that helps steady your steps and your sight and what you're doing, right? What about you, Lacey?
1: I think he's been helping me get some pressure off me, like helping me say uh, you don't have to and it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. i am putting a lot of pressure on myself because I'm getting close to college to really like jump into things and it's stressing me out having
0: to make a bunch of decisions yeah yeah. so what God will come and do to you is in that period of time in your life the world does it. you didn't do it by yourself just so you know you didn't put all this pressure the world comes and says it's life or death you're off in college now, what are you going to (laughs) do? and so the world tries to elevate so many things to life and death and what God's trying to do is whack it back down life and death is not contained in what you want to do you're free to do what you want to do, and you're free to enjoy it without feeling like your life is hidden, right? Your life is not hidden in what you do. Your life is hidden with God in Christ, and it, it puts it back into its normal perspective, right? And it becomes not so heavy. It isn't so heavy. All the things we have going on in our life today, they're not that heavy, no. right? They're not that heavy. And I love how God comes and just whacks it down and puts it in its proper perspective. And then you're free, right, to just enjoy and to just be yourself, right? Hallelujah.
2: When you're her age, it's hard to realize that. When you're my age, you can look back over all the situations and say, oh, my goodness, Yeah. you know, there was no reason to be sweating it. You know? Yeah, it was, you
0: need the gospel Yeah. To, yeah to, exactly, teach you, exactly. to teach you that. And
2: I think of uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob and Caleb in the wilderness, and what they did was just believe, right? Yeah, Joshua. That. I mean Joshua, yeah.
0: And, and really, we say they, they just believed, and that's an accurate statement. But just to fill that out for everybody listening, because oh, what I realize is sometimes we listen with the carnal mind, and we don't realize it. Or the carnal mind is present, and it talks to us as we're listening. You need and, to do that. Right. We can walk away with, how do I believe? Yeah. Yeah, right? and, and really, a more accurate way of describing that is that Caleb and Joshua allowed themselves to be persuaded.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: yes, yes. Right. And and what that means is how do you allow yourself to be persuaded? What that means is that you go read Joshua chapter one it says they meditated in the teaching and instruction of God. Wow. And what that means is, is they saw the work of God to lead them out of Egypt and everything God had did there. And they meditated on that with the Lord, essentially in the New Testament. We see Jesus come and explain it as one thing is needful and Mary is doing the good and the right thing. She's sitting at my feet, right? In the New Testament, the way we allow ourselves to be persuaded is we come and sit and let God reveal what he's done in Jesus to us. And we let God unpack the Christ in our midst. We let God unpack the work he's performed in Christ in our midst. And what happens is, is that starts persuading us of something. And we find our trust is, is towards God. But God's the one who fathers trust in us, right? The role we play, because what do you do? You got to do something. The role we play is, are we going to come and sit down, right, with the Father and let him minister to us? That's the role we play. Are we going to sit and hear about the Christ, about the lamb he provided, about why he provided the lamb, about what the lamb accomplished, about the life he has in himself? Are we going to come and sit and listen to that? Because that will persuade you. It's not, what if I'm not persuaded? There is no, what if I'm not persuaded? If you come and sit at the feet of Jesus, you will be persuaded. If you keep sitting at the feet of Jesus, Jesus will persuade you. Jesus will unwind your heart from your uptightness. I promise you, I'm the most uptight individual that's ever lived. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I'm the, I'm the child of a rocket scientist. an engineer, okay? And the child of a a woman that was taught that perfectionism is the power unto life. Now, they didn't like sit me down and get on a chalkboard and start talking about how you got to do everything perfectly, but I watched them, right? I saw them and I saw how serious they took things. And I thought that's the right way. Right? Well, if you're an engineer, you got to take things seriously. Because if you build something that breaks, people crash and die. And so you're you're carrying that weight, right? If you're working for NASA and you're busy with spaceships and stuff, and you're busy testing fighter pilots and F-14s and all these things, man, if you don't have that thing situated right, someone could die. And I mean, they taught my mom, if you don't do it the right way, we are going to kill these people. And we're going to torture these animals. And so I'm the most uptight person that ever lived. Everything to me was life and death. Everything that happened was life and death. My little brother's birthday party was life and death. The games we played in the birthday party was life and death. I was six years old. Everything was life and death, right? And God, man, it's taken, I'm 40, I'm going to be 47 in a couple of months. It has taken the Lord a long time to unwind me. How tightly wound I was. Right? And some of you that know me from the beginning have encountered the tightly wound Greg. Like, he still would peek out I'm dang, dude, chill out. It's not that serious. I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> right? And what I realized is that that seriousness, there's one thing that perfection isn't found in all these different things. Right? But perfection is found in, in being braided together with the Father in his incorruptible life. Right? Now the only life and death is found in whether or not you've called upon the name of the Father, or rather whether or not you've seen the Father has drawn near to you to preserve your life, to seal you in himself, to serve you with life. That's where perfection is found. And so the only thing that's life and death is the gospel, right? That's the only thing that's life and death, not all these different things in the world. And so what happened is the perfectionism will fall off of you. And you start realizing not just that life, life and death is only found in the gospel, but you start realizing I have the Son, so I have life. And so then all the perfectionism you were after in all the different instances you encountered, thinking life and death was found in all those, and you were after every situation going perfectly so you could have life, all of a sudden you see you've attained to that in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have that which is perfection. You have been perfected once for all time. You have the life. You've attained to it, and God will keep unwinding the heaviness from you in all the other areas of your life, right? Where you, it's, it's not just that you are passionate about doing it, or you're doing it with uh, excellence, if we want to use that word. It's that you think if you don't do it right, you're going to die. And if you do do it right, then you're going to have life, right? He removes that from everything in the world. That's when you're actually free. When you no longer look at the things that happen in the world as if life and death is found there. That's the difference between grieving like the world and grieving like people who have eternal life. Like Paul would come and say, he didn't say we don't grieve. We're not indifferent to suffering, right? But he said we don't grieve like the world grieves. Why? Because we see that this isn't life or death, right? We could see this isn't right. We could see... A disappointment. We could see things happen, but we're not. it's not unto despair for us because the gospel comes and, and ministers to us and tells us life and death is not found in that, right? I remember when the air conditioners got stolen. Trust me, man, I thought life and death was found in that. And I thought we're going to die. Not just we're going to die. The church is going to die. The church is going to go away. These people have just barely been holding on because I keep smacking them upside of the head with things that completely contradict Everything they've ever believed. And these are not novices. These people have spent their lives loving and walking with the Lord. And every week I come in and rip up all their stuff, right? And they're still here. But now the air conditioners are gone. We can't have church for six weeks. Who's going to be here, Lord, when it's all over? Life and death was found in that for me. And God unwound it, right? That's that's the difference. If you feel despair, it means something has gotten lifted up in your heart as if life and death is found in that, right? And it's okay you just need to be reminded. You just need to be reminded that life and death is not found in this world or in the things in this world. There's one who has life. It's the father, like Jesus said. The father has given that his life would be inside of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, the father has given that I would have life in myself, right? Now, if you have the son, if you've he heard the testimony of the Father, if you've heard the Father telling you, I'm with you to perfect you from the death in the world, I'm with you to seal you and comfort you and swaddle you in the light of my life, then you have eternal life, right? You have life. That's it. It's settled. The question of life and death is settled. You have the blessing of life. Go ahead. An anecdote to really frame up, just like the air conditioner example is a great anecdote, to frame up the vanity As far as our
6: daughter, when she was young, and I'm an old man, so she's an adult now, but when she was young, uh, we noticed soon. I noticed this is kind of interesting. She puts this little note outside of her door and then closes the door to go to sleep. So it's the reminder of what to do the next day. So we're wondering like, what the heck is she supposed to do? She's a little kid.
0: Who cares what she does? But we're kind of curious, like, what's she supposed to do the next day? We pick it up. And, And I need two sentences now. Don't, don't, I need two sentences. It says, it reads, today I must be perfect. The second sentence, she misspelled the word perfect. So it's all vanity. It's completely a vain enterprise to squeeze this path out of this world. Yeah, it it is. And If you wake up feeling the thought of perfection weighing down on you and doing something perfectly, right, and you feel weak, and you feel like you're going to be overwhelmed, that's not a sign that you're actually being overcome. It's only a sign that you need to look to God and his strength as the power behind your life. And so if you feel that weight on you, you could just be stirred up by way of remembering that God hath perfected you, that perfection is already a settled case for you, And so whatever it is you're doing now is not the book being opened again unto perfection and you're either going to gain it or lose it. You already have it. Thank you, Father, that you have perfected me with your life. Thank you, Lord, that what I'm doing today, what I'm about to embark on, life and death is not found there. Thank you, Lord, that I have your life, that your life dwells in me. Thank you, Lord, that even when I feel weakness, it's not a sign that strength isn't present with me. Thank you, Lord, that your life is the strength behind me. It's the force behind my existence. Thank you, Lord. And what happens is you connect with God right? And you connect with his ability and the ability that's in his life. Because when you feel weak, the reason why you feel weak is weak is because the world has set your eyes on human ability and your strength, as if your ability and your strength and what you can attain to and what you can accomplish is the power that can drive your life. That's why you feel weak. But Paul, and I'm going to talk about this today, but Paul come and said something powerful. He said, we have this treasure in earth and vessels <laughs> that the excellency would be of God and not of ourselves. Yeah. And what he's talking, he goes on to talk about being pressed, stressed, beyond measure, but not unto despair, persecuted, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. And what he was saying there is we have eternal life in these earthen vessels so that when these earthen vessels feel weakness, that that weakness would serve as a sign to us, not that our lives are being overcome, but that the power behind our life is God and not ourselves. We tend to feel like everything's okay if we feel strong. But Paul, I man, one of the most powerful revelations of Paul, when you're looking at Pauline doctrine, if you look at Paul's letters, you can see the things that really meant something in his life because he talks about them in a different way in various letters, in multiple letters. If you see Paul touching on things in various different letters, but in a slightly different way, he's telling you this is a pillar in the grace that animated my life. And you see Paul talk about, my your grace is sufficient for me you see paul talking in corinthians about how when he felt weakness, he used to think it was a sign that everything was being destroyed, that he was being destroyed, that the good work was being destroyed. And then he heard from Jesus, my grace is sufficient. And then you see how that revelation grew when he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that we would know that the excellency is of God and not of ourselves. So when we feel weak, we ought not think it's a sign we're being overcome. We ought to just be reminded that it's a sign to look to God and the strength that's in his life, how our sufficiency is of him and not of ourselves. Right, And you become reminded of that. And you become animated with grace, with strength. He said, always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. Well, what was the dying of the Lord Jesus? When Jesus was on the cross and he was in need and he was feeling all the weakness that you can feel in a mortal body, what what happened? Jesus didn't look to human ability. He didn't look to his own strength. He didn't look to the strength of the flesh, but rather he looked to the ability of God. And that animated him with grace. And so Paul says, when I feel weakness, Listen, I have this treasure in earthen vessels. This earthen vessel can feel weakness. When I feel weakness, I don't look at it as a sign that my life is being overcome. I see it as a sign to be reminded that the power behind my life is God's ability and the ability in his life, not my ability and the ability I have in my own himself. And that, he goes on to say, we bear about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that what? That his life might also be made manifest in us. So it's a real simple thing Paul learned that became powerful. I don't know if you guys realize it. The world says if you feel weak, you're losing. Losing. (laughs) Becky and I always have the thing, winning. (laughs) Listen, the world says if you feel weak, you're losing. The world says if you feel weak or overwhelmed, that you're being overcome. Well, Paul got this like, and that's how it is with the mind of the spirit. It's like contradictory. Paul, he even says in a Corinthians, he got this thing where he began to rejoice when he felt weak. He began to celebrate when he felt weak. He stopped despising the weakness that he felt because he saw the weakness as just a reminder, right? To fix his eyes on the ability of God and that his presence abides in me. I have God inside of me. The power that's behind my life is not me or this world or what happens. It's God. And then he's animated with grace. It's a powerful thing when you realize that. I just got this image in my head of
3: a guy trying to get down a mountain with a sprained ankle. And he couldn't, so he got on a raft and the raft is gently taking him down the mountain. And when he's on the raft, he feels that his ankle hurts and he just is reminded, I couldn't have done it anyway, but I'm being taken (coughs) there. Yep. That's right. Y'all get it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just being carried down through the water. And when his ankle hurts, he's just reminded I, I couldn't even do it. I couldn't have done it anyway, but this reminds me that I'm taking care of
0: Yeah.
3: Thank you for repeating that. I was a little bit slow on the uptake, but uh, thank you.
0: That's my, my grace is your sufficiency. We think whether we feel strong or weak holds our sufficiency. So if we think we feel strong, we feel very sufficient. <laughs> huh. Our Chest. will stand up straight. But if we feel weak, want to hide in the corner we're scared to come out we're scared to do anything we don't want to do anything because we don't feel we have the strength to do it right the greatest thing you can come to is to understand that your ability is not the power behind your life right it's god's ability is the power behind our life and for you to connect with that it's a simple but profound expression that if your eyes can just get fixed on god's ability and the strength that's in his life and how his life is in you, his presence abides in you. You'll, When you start thinking about what you need to do, your reference point for how it's going to happen will no longer be yourself. Your reference point will become God, God Almighty, right? And you'll start feeling all these things. I'm going to talk about some of this in the message, and so I'm sorry if it'll be a repeat, but it is what it is. Two years ago, I was overwhelmed with all the media and technology stuff trying to make a new website and and trying to sort out all these issues and all these problems some of you may remember me saying this but i told god i'll be the tech guy the media guy or i'll be the preacher i can't be both you choose now i said that when i was feeling overwhelmed and weak now it took a while but i don't know if you guys realize there's no tech person (laughs) and there ain't no other preacher here either and so at first I was like this dude ain't listening this thing's coming to an end bro you gotta do something I can't keep going on like this and then it's like I heard God clearly say you're right Greg you can't keep going on like this but who is it that's doing the work Greg is it me living in you or is it you living in you he said, "When you realize you're telling me that you can't be the tech guy and you and you can't be the preacher, you can't be both for me to choose." He said, "You realize it's like you're telling me that I can't be the tech guy wow. and I can't be the preacher, as if I'm too weak to do them both." And I was right. I. I, th- I thank God for the foundation He set here because in the past I might have felt the shame. And him and I had to have that conversation. When you feel ashamed at having conversations like that, your heart will avoid having it. You won't listen to what we would call sound correction. That doesn't mean getting beat with the spoon, but you don't wanna hear somebody say something that corrects you because you're so ashamed. Yeah. But the moment he said that, it's like I realized, wait a second, whose ability am I thinking of when I say I can't do this and I can't do that? And man, I'd gotten so consumed with my own ability that my path became filled with weakness and frustration and stress. Right. And I became feeding on that every day. And then it's, still, it's like the Lord come and said, is it, is it, is it Christ who lives in you or not? So who, who's laboring in you, Greg? Who, who's performing the labor that you would come and say that you can't, do you think I'm so weak that I can't? And it sounds so simple, but just that little simple thing, boom, and the burden wasn't too heavy. My mind got fixed on my own ability. And in myself, I saw I do not have the ability. And so I, I, I became filled with weakness. And so it wasn't that the circumstances actually needed to change. You know what needed to change? What my heart was filled with and what ability my heart was looking to, right? And when I felt the inability, if I would have had the message of Paul squarely in front of my face, when I felt the inability, I would have thought I have the treasure of eternal life in this earth investment. This earthen vessel is a mortal body. It's been made from dust. It can feel weakness. And this weakness, I feel, is not a sign that the ability is not present with me to do these things. This weakness is a sign that the power for me to do these things is God and not myself. Oh, hallelujah. And then I would start talking with God about his ability and his life and how his life is the strength behind my life. And I promise you, when you connect with that, there's nothing you don't feel like you can't do. I mean, I've been trying to talk to God about how did Jesus never feel rushed? He lived outside of time somehow. And I've been connecting with that, like, Lord, how can I live outside of time? I have a life that's outside of time, but my body is squarely inside of time. And I'm starting to feel the weight and the pressure of not having enough time. And so I started thinking it was like some quantum physics type of thing. But God come and said, it's not that Jesus lived outside of time. It's that Jesus lived with his eyes always fixed on my ability. So he never felt rushed or pressed because his mind was never thinking of his own ability or his own strength or how he was going to do anything. His mind was always just filled with me and my ability, right? Instead of human ability. That will cause you to live outside of time. Meaning, to live outside of time is not to be stressed out or pressed beyond measure by the time constraint because you're not looking at your own ability. And so time constraint only comes into play when your mind is filled with your own ability. How am I going to do these things? How am I? How is this? How is that? Right? No, how is God? How is God going to do this? It's like the moment you, something can come into your spirit, you feel like you need to do something, or something has to happen. No, How? God is here. God is the one that will perform it. And all of a sudden, you'll find a supernatural grace come upon you, where Paul said, it's not I who labor, it's God laboring in me. I labored more abundantly than everyone. Yet not I, but God dwelling and if you look at Paul's life as an apostle and we wanted to weigh the apostles up against each other like fools because you know we don't weigh ourselves up against one another right Paul suffered more persecution than probably all of the apostles when you look at the total work of it right I don't say other ones weren't martyred and other ones didn't suffer but Paul had like a continuous suffering that went on in the world and yet he said he labored more abundantly than them all in light of all that tremendous suffering he still labored more abundantly than them all. And he said, Yet not I, the grace of God in me. So if you feel something pulling on you, that something has to be accomplished in your life, you 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 want to be mindful that it's God's ability. And it's God, God's ability is present with you, and he will perform the work, right? And then you walk in his work, what in a, his strength.
6: What a remarkable observation that Paul, when he lays it out, lived a life of chronic suffering but he was
0: victorious in the living christ
4: yeah yeah like yeah a lot when of times you, we miss that because you know, we'll read of something that happened to paul we just think it as an event you know and, oh i bet that hurt well he's still hurting the next day too <laughs> Right.
5: <laughs> yeah. um. when, when you look at the uh at the the way life goes in the world that we live in you know It's unbelievable how the world is trying to manufacture uh, circumstances that will make them feel comfortable, make them feel comfortable with life. People do that as individuals. If we can control our circumstances, then we can be happy, you know? But when you live in a life that is not encumbered or impinged on by your circumstances, no matter what circumstances come into your life, the life that w- is within you is sufficient to those circumstances. That's right. All of a sudden, the circumstance, you don't have to worry about the circumstances. And I'm going to tell you something. Everybody, even believers, we look to our circumstances, and we tend to think, if this was different, or if I had this, or, if, you know, Things could be right, but that's dying to the world, yeah. dying to the idea that you have to have the right circumstances, or that you have to create the right circumstances. But if if you if your mind is not set on the circumstances, but on the one who loves you and gave himself for you, all of a sudden and the the effectiveness of the one who who loved you and gave himself for you all of a sudden you are living above the circumstances that are
3: outside of the circumstances that's right another way what you're saying is you can live without fear yeah, yeah. freedom fear. Right. You, you, you can hope for something look i hope joe burrow wins <laughs> yeah. so do i right. okay and you can hope for that but you don't have to be in fear if it doesn't happen oh yeah absolutely just yeah. think about that you can actually Pins enjoy the manger. game
5: when it, when that game ain't life and death anymore. Oh man! And, yeah, and so you can, loses, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy
3: it regardless. My aunt used to say, and I never understood it. and I think I get it now. She said, "Plan, but don't plan the results." Right. What she was saying is, I think, is there's nothing wrong with planning, but don't let the results control you. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Yep. That's, That's good. good. Yeah, I mean, we know God's life is a full effect, right? <laughs> it's a yeah. full effect. The grace that you need the strength that you need is not contained in your circumstances. That's what the world says, Yeah. right? It's not yeah. contained in your circumstances. That's not where it is. But the world is all the time getting us to look at that, right? And trying to tell us that the strength we need, the grace we need, it is found in our circumstances. Absolutely. And so if you could bring about this result, the grace and the strength you need is found in that. And if you can't bring about this result, then the grace and strength you need, you're never going to get. And it fixes, it gets your eyes fixed on that. And that's a life of fear it's a life of uh anxiety being paralyzed right all that kind of stuff you
4: know it's interesting we we're talking about going forth in the power of the spirit um for, where you're referring to there with paul where he he came to the conclusion he said for when i am weak then am i strong <coughs> and you see some old testament language about uh beat your swords into plowshares and and that's talking about a, a work that's taking place in your heart. But then Joel comes along and it's like, it's like we've, we've come to this place where the work in our heart has been done. And he says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say, I am strong.
5: <laughs> Interesting.
0: You know, Paul really unwraps all the, the old Testament people don't realize it. If he stopped and explained what he was Expounding on every time he did we'd have never gotten through the New Testament But it's like Paul realized when when he says when I am weak, then I am strong what, what he realized is That his inability Recognizing his inability gave Avenue for the strength of God to manifest in him right and so when he felt weak he saw that as a sign of His own inability, and not to look to himself for the ability that he needed, and that's when he became strong, right? That's when strength manifested in him. And I see that in my own life, to where I mean I feel more comfortable now than I ever have. And like I said, I'm the most uptight person that ever lived. I know Michelle keeps saying amen, but she's just saying that so we don't realize how uptight she is. (laughs) And I think the I agree with that
1: too. (laughs) I think
0: I, I think the Lord had mercy on our souls by not having her born in my place. Because I think if we would have suffered under the hand of, of of her intensity, it would have been far worse. If everybody suffered under the hand of my intensity.
1: I'll accept that. I'm joking.
0: <laughs> now we're gonna argue about who's more uptight. Everyone will leave, and her and I will be in here still arguing. <laughs> oh, glory to God! Do what you about see these two aren't disagreeing? No, <laughs> no, they're not. No, no, absolutely not. We're cut
1: from the same cloth
0: from the same cloth. What about you, Bobby? What do you got to say? Uh, well, I got to experience a lot of joy from other people
6: last, uh, really last two days, Friday and, uh, and yesterday. And, uh, I was grateful for that. So, uh, got to see
0: a lot of people really, really happy.
6: And, uh,
0: Grateful for it. Your family or just friends? or
6: uh, Both. Uh, I had two guys um, inducted. There's a, in St. Bernard Parish, there's a Hall of Fame, yeah. an athletic Hall of Fame. And two guys I know, one of them, uh, you know, that I was a teammate of, were, were going to be inducted into that Hall of Fame. And and I was able to reach out to him and let them know. And then we got the guest, I was able to get the guest speaker for them. I'm not on a committee, but I know a lot of people down there. And I uh, was able to get Ed Ogeron to be a, the guest speaker. Awesome. So they were all happy about that. I bet they were. And he was happy about it. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's nice. It's nice then, to sit back and watch people rejoicing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Cause
6: uh, it makes, you know, it, it affects a lot of people, their families, yeah. their attitude. You know their joy and it it just it goes on down it's a trickle down effect through
0: everybody in the lives of you know a lot of people yeah that's that you'll find that's the joy of ministry or that's what i found right that there's no greater joy than watching the light click on in somebody and the light click on is like the joy
6: to see them smile
0: right you see the joy come alive inside of them there's no greater thing than seeing that happen in somebody and it's like that's how god feels Right. It says that all the heavens sing or rejoice. I can't remember which verse when one son or daughter comes home, right? Yeah. And and that's that's the joy that God feels when somebody's received life, right? Because he sees they've been set free and he sees the, the 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 smile on their face, the happiness, right? It's nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. What about you, Deb? What's going on? What's the Lord and you getting down with?
2: The Holy Spirit, um, and when things come to look to Him, that it's not me, that it's Him that's going to do it and stuff. Um, but I've been thinking about Jesus and going into the desert and being tempted for 40 days no food, no I mean, it's like after one or two days we don't have food it's like get out of my way you know (laughs) and so when the holy spirit the dove came down on him it's like lord i want to feel what he felt when that came down that it made him just look to you always Mm. and then the disciples when they were sitting in the upper room and that holy spirit came down it's like and then i got thinking about branson it's like lord bring that fire down let us feel what they felt when that came down yeah you know and
0: that's beautiful what are we going to gather in one spirit and one accord I know. that's that. for sure
2: we know that you know? we but know I that mean, like even my poor hubby it's like i have two very dependent people living with me. Um, and uh, so it's like we were running late this morning because we take the dogs for a walk because we have one dog that if you don't walk, you don't go to the bathroom and then it's not good. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then we got wet. And so it was like, oh no, because it's raining. It wasn't supposed to rain till eight and so by the time we got back it was like I just had enough time to take care of me and it was like I kept bugging him yesterday let me change your bandage let you change your bandage you know it's good so it's like when I'm stressing to get ready to get here honey I think you need to put new bandage on (laughs) wasn't the right thing to say at that time (laughs) <laughs> You're trying to prove her heart.
0: You're trying to help her get through the wilderness. <laughs> That's what I tell some, some wives sometimes in counseling. Just be thankful that your husband's helping you in your wilderness experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yes. Oh, glory to God. <laughs>
0: it's like um, you know, the uh, the 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 weakness is a, a symptom. All the things that torment our life really, victimization, anxiety torment, weakness, fear, all those things are Attributes of the life that the world is following Right, so when we talk about laying down Those things at the cross when we talk about laying down our lives What when we when I talked about laying down the victimization laying down the torment laying down the anxiety It's not that you try and lay down the anxiety itself. It's that you lay down the life that you have from the world, or you lay down the life that's been fathered from the world. And as you die to the life that's been fathered by the world, what happens is is you also become dead to the victimization that can happen to the life that's of the world. Because victimization cannot happen to the life of God. I mean, notice what Jesus said. Nobody takes my life. Don't get it twisted. You have zero power or ability over me. Right? And so it's like, The fear, the anxiety, all those things that could torment us, all of us have experienced some type of victimization at the hands of something in the world, right? And those things that can try to cause PTSD in us or or trigger points in us. And what happens is, is God brings about something in you where you see Him with you, Fathering your life. You see the care that He's taken for your life, and that causes you to give up the ghost. It causes you to lay down the life that you have from the world, or it causes you to no longer identify with the life that's been fathered by the world. When that happens, what happens is, is you die unto anxiety. You die unto PTSD. You die unto victimization. You die unto all of that. Where you could look back and see what happened there is unjust. Right, but you're no longer busy with the life that can be corrupted by injustices because God has given you a life that satisfies every injustice that could ever happen to you. It's a life, like I said with the Terminator. All, some of the bad things that have happened to us, it was like we took a death blow. Boom! Right, In the life that's of this world, when it takes a death blow, it bleeds out and it dies. And should it be able to recover from the death blow... The healing that happens in the life that's of this world is not a real healing. It's a, it's a sting that carries on in the heart that relives itself over and over inside of us. right? Well, God come and give us a life like the Terminator 3. That when it takes a death blow, boom! It absorbs it, and then it swallows it. And then you're whole. And so the life of God is like always... Uh, regenerate is the wrong word because it can't ever get to the place where it isn't there. But for the poverty of the example, it's a regeneration kind of thing. It's a kind of thing that it it is so much that it's always swallowing. It's always overcoming. It's always filling all the empty spaces. It's always saturating the dry ground of our heart, which is what can happen when we've encountered horrible things in this world. It can cause like a drought in our heart where our heart isn't being being saturated with life. And so it just becomes dry and it becomes a hardened ground where no good fruit can come up out of it, just thorns and thistles, right? Like tumbleweeds. You just got tumbleweeds flying around. But the life that God comes and gives you, man, it will saturate your heart. And it will all the time saturate your heart with the, the life of God, with the nutrients of God's life, right? The dew from heaven. His life is the dew from heaven. Right. And it will cause a great crop to grow up in your heart.
2: And, and I see the difference in my life with him because in years gone past, when he did that, I would have just went off on him and said, "I'm, you know, but I just got frustrated. I didn't say anything.
0: Yeah. You can start to recognize the pressing in that you feel is not the other person. That really changed my life. I used to think all the dissatisfaction that I felt, which was great, was that all the other people around me don't do things right. <laughs> no, I think I'm joking. I'm being no, serious. I am relating Oh, okay. <laughs> no.
1: Well, what, what, what God
0: showed me is that it was never the other people around me and what they were doing or not doing. It was always what was going on in my heart. Right? And so what that did was I stopped looking at other people's behavior when I felt something on the inside. Like, immediately I started connecting with God. What's going on in me, Lord, that's causing me this pain? And then I stopped lashing out at people. And then you start allowing people the grace, right? To just be people, right? Allow without yourself the
2: grace, too. Allow yourself the grace. You're holding yourself to higher standard usually.
0: You're, you're absolutely right. He has to first remove your shame should there be something that's gotten crooked or some weed that's tried to grow in your heart. Because i that was one of the first steps for me. Somebody's wrong here because I feel this. Either it's them or me. Well, it ain't going to be me because I'm ashamed to think there's a weed growing in my heart. So it's got to be them. <laughs> well, God come and remove the shame that you feel in the day you find yourself with some some weed that's trying to like choke out life in you. Right? And I don't mean like eternal life one day. I mean like the experience of life in this moment. Right? That's what I mean. And then you, you let that go. Rick, you wanna lead us in prayer, man? Sure. Glory to God. We'll close up with this.
6: Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come together and share your word. We're just glad that you can open each and everybody's heart and share what's going to, what's taking place in their lives and what's taking place in my life. And we just give you all the praise and the glory. And we just want to give a safe trip for everybody after church with this rain that's going on. And we just want you to fill us in the service. With whatever, just come down on us, come down on the individual, and just fill us full of your life. We just give you all the praise and all the glory.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Glory to God.
1: Y'all are awesome.